The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Last month, uh, I went down to, um, downtown to the Academy of Music to see Les Miserables. Has anybody seen Les Miserables? Wow, good number of people. Cool. Well, it was my first time seeing the show. And theater is really not my thing. But my wife and my oldest daughter were going, and they asked if I wanted to go. And I went in part because it feels like something one should do. <laughs> Sometimes great art is like eating your vegetables. <laughs> It's good for you, so you should do it. Um, And so I went, and the music was beautiful, the story compelling. um, But what unfolded for me in particular as I watched uh, the story play out from the balcony, um, what I didn't expect and hadn't realized was that Les Mis really gives a profound, contrasting understanding of the role and function of religion in our lives. So this church nerd was delighted to have some religion mixed into my music and arts. Um, the musical has been around for quite a while. The, it debuted in 1980, but it's based on a novel by Victor Hugo, which was published in 1862, 156 years ago. So I'm not too worried about spoilers uh, for this. Um, and if you haven't read the book, if you haven't seen the show, I highly recommend it, but there's also a really good movie that came out in 2012 with Hugh Jackman and Jeffrey Rush where you can catch the story. But the basic story goes something like this. Les Mis is set in France in the early 1800s, and the main character, our hero, is Jean Valjean. And when we meet Valjean, he is a prisoner. He was incarcerated because he had stolen bread to give to his sister who was starving. But once released from prison, he is still a marked man, branded as an ex-convict, and so he can get no work. He receives no quarter. But he's taken in by a kind bishop. But then Valjean tries to steal from the bishop. Um, And when he is caught, the bishop, instead of turning him in, actually covers for Valjean, and he gives Valjean more than what he stole, showing him mercy when the world had offered him none. And it sets Valjean's life on an entirely new course. It enables him to reinvent himself and to love and to care for others. And Victor Hugo himself wrote of the book. He said, Social problems go beyond frontiers. Humankind's wounds, those huge sores that litter the world, do not stop at the blue and red lines drawn on maps. Wherever men go in ignorance or despair, wherever women sell themselves for bread, wherever children lack a book to learn from or a warm hearth, Les Miserables knocks at the door and says, 
open up. I am here for you. And Valjean is the embodiment of this. And throughout his life, Valjean is pursued by Javert, a police officer. It was Javert who signed Valjean's release papers from prisons, and their lives over the course of the story keep intersecting and intersecting until finally, dramatically, they come face to face. And while Valjean received and practiced a religion of mercy, Javert's faith told him that human character was fixed, that once a convict, always a convict, that condemnation is the will of God and the law ought to inflict God's righteous righteous punishment. In the end, the religion of mercy saves Valjean. But Javert's insistence on his so-called justice and his encounter with grace at the hands of Jean Valjean utterly destroys him. The summation of the story about grace and mercy and forgiveness comes in the tear-jerking finale of Les Mis. To love another person is to see the face of God. To love another person is to see the very face of God. I often think that we see the same kind of conflict around religion playing out in our country today. We see, as it did for Valjean and Javert, that the very same religion, Christianity, can be used to oppress or to liberate, to condemn or to redeem, to exclude or to embrace. It can be used as a weapon, a bludgeon, or as a healing salve. And it's not hard to see it. It runs through the news and the internet and even casual conversations. People use religion to condemn others, to justify their own prejudices, or to preserve their own privilege. And this is part of the ancient struggle of all religions. While Hugo was writing a fictional story, he was addressing the true realities of his time, which is also true for our times as well. And going back even further, much farther, the scriptures show us that this struggle is as old as religion itself. Our first reading from Genesis comes at the end of the flood story, as you heard when it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, an allusion to the 40 days of Lent. And God sets a rainbow in the sky and says, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between you and me and every living creature that is with you. And for all generations, the water shall never again become a flood to destroy humanity. And when we think about the flood story, what do we think about? Usually I think about Moses finishing off the ark as the raindrops begin to fall. We think about all the happy animals walking two by two into the ark. We think about the dove going out and coming back with the olive branch in his beak to show that the waters of the flood were seeding. But less often do we think about how the rest of humanity, besides Noah and his family and those animals, were utterly destroyed. How God thought, it was better to wipe them from the face of the earth than to try to redeem them. Now, this story was actually progressive for the time that it was written compared to other cultures and their flood stories. But still, God thought, like Javert, that people were so wicked, so beyond redeeming, that they should be judged and destroyed. And what we have in this part of the story is God repenting for that act. God swears by the rainbow that God will never do this again. 
And it's part of the trajectory of Scripture where God moves from law and punishment to mercy and grace in dealing with the people and the world that God created. And in the ultimate contrast to the flood, God sends Jesus, the only Son, to love the world, to embody and show us forgiveness and mercy, grace, hope, and healing. Jesus is the reflection of God's own heart. If you want to know what God is like, it's not a mystery. Just look at Jesus. And on this first Sunday of Lent, we begin with Jesus' 40 days in the desert, another allusion to the 40 days of Lent. Following his baptism, Jesus is driven out to the desert by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's worth pausing here to consider this. The gospel writer Mark is in such a hurry to tell his story that he often just says something really quickly and moves on, just like that. And so sometimes with Mark, you need to pause and sometimes even fill in the story a little bit with your own imagination or draw on the other gospels to help round out the picture. So let me ask it this way. What did you do after your kids were baptized? Did anybody go out to the desert and fast for 40 days? (laughs) More likely than not, you did the opposite. (laughs) You probably gathered with family and friends together and ate. When our kids were baptized, our family came from all over, out of town and out of the country. With our oldest child, we all went out to brunch. For others, we did cookouts at our house after church. And everybody oohed and aahed over the kids, and we plastered their pictures all over Facebook. We told everybody and anybody how special and beloved these newly baptized children were. And for Jesus, his baptism could have been all the more important, a kind of coronation for him. After all, the heavens are ripped open and a voice says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Jesus is revealed as the son of God, the Messiah. But rather than have everybody over for brunch or have a press conference about it, Jesus goes out into the desert. In Mark's account, we hear that Jesus is tempted by Satan and was out there with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. That's it, not very much. Mark doesn't tell us very much of the story. And so we have to rely on the versions from Matthew and Luke to see what happened in those 40 days. And in Matthew's version, Jesus is tempted three times, Matthew and Luke. But Matthew's version goes like this. First temptation, Jesus is hungry. Satan challenges him to turn a stone into bread. But Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Second temptation, Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. And Jesus refuses. Third temptation, Satan takes Jesus up on a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, I will give them to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus says no. Each time following his baptism and at each temptation, Jesus chooses the way of powerlessness and peace, which he does continuously through Mark's gospel. Last week in the transfiguration story, which chronologically comes after the temptation in the desert, Jesus orders his disciples not to tell anybody about that revelation on the mountaintop. In other cases, when he performs miracles, he tells the people to not tell anybody about what has happened. Scholars call it in the gospel of Mark, Jesus's messianic secret. Jesus keeps his identity under wraps in part 
to eschew the trappings that come with being the Messiah, to renounce power and privilege, which he does all the way to the cross. Jesus turns away from a religion where the powerful condemn and ordinary believers are complacent. Jesus confronts the religious leaders of his time for their prejudice and everyday believers for their indifference. And Jesus shows them and us a different way. He shows us that to love another person is to see the very face of God. And we see the face of God in Jesus, in his loving and healing, teaching and miracle-making, his laughing, his crying, his mercy. You know, just, uh, just recently, I learned a new term to describe the state of our world. It's called VUCA. Have you heard that? VUCA? It, it's an acronym, V-U-C-A. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, <laughs> which pretty much captures it all, doesn't it? And these times, these VUCA times, are the kind of times in which Javert's type of Christianity thrives. In uncertain times, people want certainty. In complex times, they want simple answers. In ambiguous times, they want things to be clear-cut and black and white. In volatile times, they want some peoples to blame or to scapegoat. It's part of our human sin. And this is what Jesus confronts throughout his life. It's what gets him killed. And it's what he rose again to overcome and to redeem. Today, it is so imperative to test the rhetoric and the actions of those who invoke the name of God and the Holy Scriptures. And we don't need to be Bible experts to do it. We don't need to be able to cite chapter and verse to do it. And just because someone can quote chapter and verse doesn't make them right. As the minister of my old Pentecostal days would remind us, even the devil can quote Scripture. (laughs) What we must do is set those statements that we hear those actions that we see beside the words and the actions of Jesus and ask, are they in keeping with the Jesus that we see in the Scriptures? I often find that the less we hear the name Jesus in that rhetoric, the greater risks that we run. Lutherans say that the Bible is made up of law and gospel, The law confronts us with our sin but drives us to the arms of a loving God who we meet in the Gospels. Everything in the Bible is interpreted through the lens of the Gospel or to put it more simply, through the lens of Jesus. Religion can be a weapon or it can be a salve. Will we choose the religion of Valjean or the religion of Javert? Will we choose the religion of Jesus or of the Pharisees? Will we follow Jesus and turn from power and privilege and turn our hearts toward mercy? Jesus' first message coming out of his 40 days in the desert was to repent and believe the good news. Repent, turn around, turn our hearts toward God, toward Jesus, and toward the things that God desires for this world. And believe that true repentance and healing are possible. 
believe that love is the strongest power in the universe, that grace is what we all receive, and mercy in God's kingdom is what we all deserve. Repent and believe. Finally, Victor Hugo described his book, Les Mis, in this way. The book which the reader has before him at this moment is, from one end to the other, in its entirety and details, a progress from evil to good, from injustice to justice, from falsehood to truth, from night to day, from appetite to conscience, from corruption to life, from bestiality to duty, from heaven to hell, from nothingness to God. The starting point, matter, destination, the soul. May it be so, too, for our Lenten journey throughout these sacred 40 days. Amen.